Welcome to Dementia Caregiving for Families. I am very excited about our next guest here today. His name is Dr. George Ackerman. He is not a doctor of medicine, but he is a uh, PhD type doctor. And George is near and dear to my heart because he has a mission to bring his mother's story to the world related to Parkinson's disease. And I don't talk about it a lot because my grandfather has uh, passed away many, many years ago. But we do have a family connection to Parkinson's disease. It was one of the very first specialty certifications that I got as an occupational therapist, as well as for many years when we lived in Springfield, Missouri, I served on the Parkinson's board of the Ozarks. And a very little known fact about Lizette is if you go look at, uh, there's a book put out by the National Parkinson's Foundation that I was an editor on from maybe 20 plus years ago. So my one claim to fame in authorship related to being an editor of a Parkinson's type of book. So listen to today's episode. Hey there, success seeker. Welcome to Dementia Caregiving for Families. Do you feel overwhelmed with the daily struggle of dementia caregiving? Looking for an easier path? You're in the right place. On this podcast, we teach you the skills to simplify caregiving. We unravel the mystery of dementia and guide you through the often difficult behaviors. I'm Lizette, your host and fellow family caregiver. As an occupational therapist, I bring my professional and personal experience to this community. Here we speak the truth, but without the verbal vomit. I know you will find value in today's program, so buckle up while this flight takes off. Well, welcome back to today's program called Dementia Caregiving for Families. And I'm super excited to have a wonderful new guest. He's somebody I've been around kind of fringely. I've I've heard of his mom and his mission. George's mom had Parkinson's disease. And since Parkinson's disease has a very strong component of dementia, over time for certain people, I thought it would be a good idea to highlight dementia and dementia caregiving and Parkinson's disease in this episode today. Plus, I have a family connection with Parkinson's. So I have a very strong love of helping people who are struggling with Parkinson's disease. So thank you for being here today, George. I'm so excited to hear your story. Thanks, and I really appreciate your time and your viewers. It's an honor to be able to share our story today, but also send my love and support to you and all of your viewers for uh, all the struggles. But I try to take the negatives and, uh, again, bring it a little bit of positive light on the subject. And I do find we become family and all the viewers because we're all in this together. Unfortunately, my mother passed approximately four years ago. She had Parkinson's for 15 years, but the worst came towards the last three to four years when I Mm -hmm. really was thrown into it. You know, you don't sign up really to, there's no course in law school for uh, caretakers. 
And even if you took one, you still can't be prepared. My mother was very independent. She lived alone. She was hardworking. She sacrificed a lot in her life so I can become the man I am today. So she didn't really want to share Parkinson's with us. Uh, she had my father. They were divorced, but he helped her. And I'd say for about seven, eight years, she had it. But we never, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't really think about it. She had a little trouble with her left arm, was stiff. So towards the seventh year, it was trouble cutting food. But she still was able to live, you know, in a normal light and not let me really know about it. I kind of regret that looking back because mm-hmm. I wonder, if, you know, what if, but you can't really do that all day. Right. So I was able to, unfortunately, we tried everything. Uh, we would need hours to talk about the different things. But uh, unfortunately, she went to a special program where it was like a trial thing. And I think that night she came home, they might have changed the medication too drastically. And I had a call to rush over to her home at 4 a.m. And I never would have ever, my life changed that night. That's when I took over her whole life because she uh, was moving her furniture out of her home. And I think the hallucinations and delusions from uh, dementia had set in. And she thought people were inside the house harming her. She was was Mm -hmm. moving her furniture out. And I rushed her to the hospital. They said I saved her life. But in a way, that was where it really started getting worse. So one last thing is I went back to her home and I was picking up her clothes. And this is the time where I knew it was really heartbreaking. Like we all use post-it notes, the little yellow notes. She had put them around her room and she wrote on the notes names of dogs and people who might not even be alive anymore because she couldn't differentiate at that point who was still with her and she was just seeing things. And again, it was so heartbreaking and shocking that, you know, any loved one or anyone for that matter has to endure that. And in a way she was alone, but then I also felt alone as a caretaker because she, you know, she looked to me to help find a cure. And obviously we tried everything and I wasn't able to do that. So my mission now with togetherforsharing.com is really to spread awareness in my mother's memory and mine, but it's not just about us anymore. It's about a lot more people, and I want to try and share their stories too. Sure. So a quick clarification or a couple of clarification questions. In your journey with your mom, um, it sounds to me, did you know the whole 15 years that she had Parkinson's or did she hide it for the first little bit? I believe she hid it more just to my father. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, uh, and it's reasonable, some people are, you know, ashamed of it. They don't know what their future brings. Mm-hmm. And they don't really know what else to do. But every day was something, you know, more. When I took over, I mean, it was like being hit over the head, like down, like a hammer and a nail. Sure. Every time I wanted to try something to help one thing, it seemed like another issue came up. So it was very, we even hired several companies, like caretakers. I don't know what you really call them that, but they were more like just kind of babysitting. She didn't mm-hmm. sleep well. So, and that was costing us 12000 a month. But she was telling me they were harming her. So I had to install video cameras in her house. And I luckily they weren't. But there was one that neglected her when she needed help. So luckily we were able to see that. Right. Uh, I, I always swore and we never did, thankfully, put her in a home. So we kept her in her own home. That was not easy, but uh, and then we actually bought a home uh, when she was still alive. She didn't make it, and now in my new home, which would have had a room for her, I often walk by it and I'm sad because that was her room. So I just, in a way, to between us and everyone listening, 
I don't know if I could have handled her at the point we were at with the hallucinations and kids. Uh, I have three children, her grandkids, and we loved her. But there were some points where, you know, you have like the little people in your head, one saying good, one's evil, and you're like, yep. keep helping, but you can't handle it. So again, I went through a lot of stress, burnout, lost a lot of my own relationships, but I would still do it all again to help my mother in any way I could. Sure. So so for years, you didn't know that she had it. She was hiding it from you. And then it sounds like you you mentioned overnight turning into a caregiver because she had a medical emergency. And yeah. was the medical emergency, was that when she started to have the hallucinations or did the hallucinations come after she had been in the hospital and they messed with her medicine and then she came home and had them? Yeah, I think she didn't hide it from me. I just think she didn't want us to worry. And it mm -hmm. did affect her so badly that she couldn't, you know, she went from that time I saw her like from a cane. She was loved to walk. So she went from walker, like a walking person, uh, independent, loved fitness, mm -hmm. going to a cane for a year. And then from the cane to the walker, which was hard. And from the walker to the wheelchair and then finally mm -hmm. bed bound. And I think, again, one of the hardest things in my life was taking her car keys away as it became, you know, danger to herself and other people. And, but you, you know, anyone like you and I, we, our independence is all we have. You want to be able to have the power to go get a haircut, go get your toes done. When you take that away, it's, uh, you know, life changing. Uh, so that was a tough one. But uh, the bad, the worst things I think, did come when after that day at that program again okay. on a regular visitor it was actually a trial we were hoping for the best but it turned out it wasn't and then not for everyone but i don't blame the doctors or the program because we can't control no. you know parkinson it also right. affects every person and dimension so differently right you know what have uh, michael j fox is a great uh, hero uh, for awareness in parkinson's and he has external tremors my mother didn't have those noticeable ones towards right. the end, you did start getting dyskinesia. And uh, that's where the, in dystonia, where the curls, uh, turl, curling mm -hmm. of the toes. Again, you're more in the medical profession than me, but uh, I could just speak from my experiences with my mother and I. And then I notice people now when I go to the doctor for my own health, I see some older people doing kind of moving, but not tremors. And it, that's what my mother, it almost now I can see Parkinson's on people because of the experiences I've had. Yeah. And again, I can still, we don't know the causes, so I can still get Parkinson's also. They think it could be, they don't know if it's genetics or environment, or it could even be, you know, contaminated water, the Paraguay, or even Camp Lejeune or big lawsuits. As an attorney, I've been actually doing a lot of research on that. I do feel my mother lived in the, for about 15 years in a home that was beautiful, but didn't really keep up with it. She had mold. We had termites. So back then, who knows, you know, the spray that they use today, they say it's more environmental friendly. Who knows if that's mm -hmm. true? But I think a lot of that did also cause, uh, could possibly potentially have caused Parkinson's. Yeah, for sure. Like there's a lot of the, there, there is a familial type of Parkinson's, but it's not as common as the Parkinson's that is probably due to other factors that I don't think we're entirely sure of exactly what what causes them. You had mentioned earlier uh, about her hallucinations and 
that that was something that was difficult for you to manage with her? You want to tell me a little bit about that? I'd say out of all these symptoms, and unfortunately, there's so many, even from the stomach where she had to have horrible stomach issues and nurses over 24-7, couldn't go to the bathroom, the constipation, because all the medicines do that. I had my own experience with back surgery. And I know exactly, I and mean, then I felt like I was mm-hmm. giving birth, which I can't, <laughs> but uh, it was a horrible. I think that was worse than the surgery for me. So, uh, so I try not to remember this one specific instance, but it's the one that kind of shines. My mother was sitting on her bed with my daughter at the time. She was six, her grandchild, uh, Brooke. And my mother loved Sundays when the, with the grandkids and a few mm-hmm. blow bubbles. Sometimes I walk by the backyard and, you know, I think of those times you can't do them anymore. But so she was sitting on the bed. She started hugging her pillow and saying how much she loved Brooke. And Brooke and me just looked at each other because it wasn't Brooke she was hugging. It was a pillow. And I, again, what do you tell a child? She looked at me and smiled in a weird way. And we just moved on. You know, you come to accept those things. But those were the most difficult because I couldn't explain it to my kids. I couldn't explain mm-hmm. it to myself. And I really wanted to try just help my mother. And I didn't ever lie to her. I never, she would ask me, you know, oh, George, I want to live to be at Brooke's wedding someday. And I just didn't know what to say. But those are the types of things. But to me, the delusions and hallucinations got worse. I had to remove her phone at some point because she started calling the police because she was scared. The caretakers were harming her, but they weren't. I had to remove a weapon, a gun. I'm a police officer. Mm-hmm. Reserve. I trained her. She actually was fun. She went once or twice to the range. And she lived alone, so she had a weapon. But I had to take it away after that night because I was, you know, I could show up and that could lead to bad things. So taking away things that you have a right to was very a big struggle for me. Also taking over her life with her banking. Mm-hmm. Thank, thankfully, she was an incredibly, not just independent, but what's the word like? Uh, just an incredible person. Planned. She already mm-hmm. had planned her whole funeral, which is horrible. She had so when I had to go through all that, and this was unexpected because she was only 69, and we were told by every doctor you don't die from Parkinson's, you die with it. So most lived to 85 and even to 100. But my mother had no other health issues, so that's some, these are some of the battles that I just continue to have. And like I said, I'm very honest and open. I talk about everything and anything. I'm six to uh, 200 pounds in policing. But the other day, I actually spoke, had a little talk with someone on a podcast. I left the podcast so excited because this helps me still cope. Went into the office with my wife and I started crying like a baby. Because <laughs> it's still, uh, even though it's been four years, it still breaks my heart every day. But because of individuals like you and your audience and really reaching people, not just in the Parkinson's field, but people outside that don't mm-hmm. have Parkinson's, people that don't have dementia, people that aren't caretakers in this area. We don't get everybody involved throughout the world. We're never going to find a cure. And the last thing is, so I we started together for Sharon.com. My purpose was to have something to remember my mother and to share my journey. Mm-hmm. But I realized there were about a million people in the U.S. with Parkinson's. But then I discovered a few months ago, there are about 10 million in the world. So I decided, just like a little light bulb in the cartoon too, popped up and said, George, this is not about you and me anymore. This is about the, everybody. Mm-hmm. So in the last four months, I've interviewed over 400 people throughout the world, from wow. Africa to uh, from France, Spain, Italy, Australia. I mean, you name it, I really, China, I've tried to target every country and share their journeys, whether they're diagnosed 
whether they uh, are caregivers, whether they're foundations like the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Uh, and because I really think that the, journey, the only journey that also is disheartening is the one that I don't know about or the one that I you know, can't share. And it just uh, gets me excited every morning. A new one pops up, a new story, and it's like someone's life. And really, that's why that's what continues to push me and to drive me. I was going to tell you today uh, which one popped up, but it's taking a little bit. Maybe I can get back to it a little later. Hey, you can go ahead. I was going to tell you, here it is. So this is lovely, uh, Leslie Davidson. Uh, it's hard to show him there. And this uh, every yeah. day, you go to www.togetherforsharon.com and you click interviews. Under that link, you can actually share your journey. So if anyone like you, I'd like someday to do, if you click on that, uh, so Leslie's article comes up. She's a 72-year-old retired teacher, and uh, and she's actually uh, traveled the world. But her husband was diagnosed in 2011 with Parkinson's and dementia. So that's where this started. And that's now where we turn from my story to hers. And if I could, again, just shed some light even now, we just said her name and People read her story and as she can share it and then people share it. It's just, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. So you're, the intent behind TogetherForSharon.com is to to continue to expand and bring to light the the stories of people living with Parkinson's. And, and dementia. Yep. You said your mom was young when she passed away. Yeah, she was only 69. So I feel robbed. I feel like she was robbed because I always thought of we bought her her own house, a little one. It was on a little lake, and I always thought for ten years at least she could enjoy, you know, enjoy her time with the grandkids and just not worry about life. Unfortunately, all her retirement money had to be wiped out by Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. We spent twelve. And I mentioned earlier, spent a twelve thousand a month just for her caretaking. That doesn't count for the food and the living expenses. Right. We also, I have an amazing thing to support my wife. My wife and my mother were best friends too. Luckily, sometimes I hear that's not the case, but she um, she tried hard too to help my mother towards the last year. She brought mm-hmm. in people to do manicures, to do her hair. Some days were tough though. She didn't want people. We also have music therapists. One nicer story, which uh, if you go to togetherforsharon.com, scroll to the bottom of the main page, you'll see a video. Uh, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. My mother used to bring me to Broadway when I was a child. And we saw the movie, uh, the Broadway show Cats. And one of mm-hmm. her favorite songs was uh, Memory. Yep. So I've been playing, I play guitar for 15, 20 years just for fun. Well, the week before my mother passed, the music therapist showed up and together we played Memory for my mother. And unfortunately, that was, at the end, you might not hear it, but she says, thank you. And I loved it. That was the last time she spoke like oh. at all. To the last is- seven days, yeah, the last seven days of her life. She just had a heartbeat, but didn't function. And that's another issue is in Florida, we don't have something called death with dignity. I find we treat our animals better than our loved ones. And that really has to change. So you've, you, you said something really interesting about the music and how much it brought her back, even if it was just for a short period of time. I I love that you did that because that's one of the the parts of our brain that actually remain uh, that that we can tap into later in in either a dementia process or even a Parkinson's process, like true just Parkinson's without dementia. I actually, when I work with people who have Parkinson's, 
my 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 colleagues would always look at me like I had grown another head because I'd be walking down the hallway with them doing mm-hmm. what we call the big fancy words of rhythmic auditory stimulation, clapping my hands, trying to hold on to them, clapping my thigh, trying to hold on to them and singing to help them be able to move better and walk better. So the music is a very important part of being able to help somebody with Parkinson's be able to actually move a lot better if you if you tap into their into their brain using music. So thank you for sharing that. I find that fascinating. So yeah. is there also, um, yeah. also they have animals. I love the the idea. They didn't have them at the time, unfortunately, but animals to come over. Also like faith individuals like your rabbi or priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, uh, you know, they just some. But uh, what I discovered, and again, when I was going through this, I felt really alone. Like I didn't know everything was all out there. But I I have a area of resources and under or partnerships. I partner with a lot of groups for dementia, for dystonia, for fitness, moving like what you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, music therapy, and also different big groups. And I actually started a new section for researchers and scientists that I interview because they're leading the way to groundbreaking research but there's Mm -hmm. a now there's a place where everyone can just go and see different foundations everything's in one place i don't charge i do not allow money i don't accept donations we support you can even see donations we support the uh, american parkinson's disease association Mm -hmm. the parkinson's foundation and the michael j fox foundation but there's so many more that i've interviewed and uh, we've donated about and raised about ten thousand dollars in four years for the ADPA. Uh, I mean, American Parkinson's Disease mm-hmm. APDA. We do their walks. We hand out bands for free. Sad though, in 2023, where people sometimes think you're not real or something because you want you don't want anything in return. Everyone seems to want. So when we do the walks, it's funny. We're in the middle. We're at a little table, and there's pharmaceutical companies everywhere selling things. Sometimes people are scared to come over, but when they realize what we're there for, they actually hug and kiss us, and it's uh, it's, it's heartfelt. I remember recently I got a little award, which I didn't expect for uh, fundraising and things, but one of the things that uh, was amazing is there was a gentleman who had a, uh, a veteran. He was a veteran. He had a military hat, and he had Parkinson, but he was wheelchair-bound. He couldn't mm-hmm. speak at all. But, you know, when I spoke to him for a minute— he just smiled and you could, and he shook my hand, and that's why we do what we do. And I always say I'm, I'm really, I'm just getting started, even though I've been doing it for a while. But I mean, we have, I'm working on a few books, working on our, my mother's journey and my journey. Really want to change the world of I'm a background in law enforcement and law. In law enforcement, they're not trained at all. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Not ignorant. It's just the timing, or they don't realize. But if someone gets pulled over and shaking. Late at night, a law enforcement officer might not be aware of that, and I don't want it to ever end poorly because they just weren't aware. Uh, and I don't see much out there for that. I've been doing, uh, again, a lot of research. Things oh, I think you're 100% correct. I don't think there's anything because the first thing they're going to think of is this person's on drugs. Right, or drinking. And sadly, I know someone on TikTok, uh, another uh, person who has Parkinson's, she was actually banned This is a week or two ago on TikTok because people reported her as doing drugs and drinking because she shakes when she does her TikToks. But she earns a living on the TikTok live. I don't know how they, I don't do that. But I was sickened when I saw that. Mm. So I wrote to her directly and said, I'm an attorney. I'll help you for completely free. 
will write to them. I think they finally gave it back, but and that's the problem. It's a big, you know, misconception that uh, if you're not aware, and again, I don't blame people. I just wish we could have more awareness, but doing this talk today really changes the world. So thank you again for that. Oh, you're very welcome. I mean, my grandfather had Parkinson's. So as an occupational therapist, when I first started working, the area that I initially specialized in was actually Parkinson's disease. And I did a lot of advocacy for Parkinson's disease in the in Missouri, when we were living in Missouri, I was part of the Parkinson's disease, uh, Parkinson's group of the Ozarks, which was a not-for-profit. Uh, I was on the board there. In actually, to- uh, I think I interviewed them, or if you ever know anyone, I'd love to still interview them. Yeah, I'm, It's been about 20 years since I've been there. I don't know if I still have yeah. contacts there. But those are the I kind have- of groups, uh, like we were saying, those are what I, those, that's my goal now is to share. It's, look, you, you were with them for 20 years. You know, many people are still not aware of it, but we can change that. So yeah, that's the one sure. thing. The only I mentioned the only people I'm kind of sad about is the ones I don't know about or the ones I email and don't respond, which is understandable. Again, they don't know who I am or what we're doing. It takes few. It literally takes three to four minutes, and that's not all I need on the email. And there are there's like one or two organizations that didn't want to join in, and again, those are the heartbreaking ones because why wouldn't you want to be a part of this when Number one, I want nothing in return. And number two, they're really getting free kind of promotion. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, well, that's what that's on them, George. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, to, if they want to be, if they don't want right. to be able to see what you're offering, because I, you know, I think this is a tremendous resource for anybody. It doesn't even need to just be Parkinson's disease. Right. Anybody could benefit from looking at your site and seeing what resources are out there because. You never know when you're going to be faced with a diagnosis like this. You know, it's not something that you can necessarily anticipate, and it doesn't always run in families. So you could be the first person in your family or recognize if you know what the signs and symptoms of Parkinson's is, you can, like you pointed out earlier, right? Now that you've seen it, you can see it in the community, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've had patients come in where sometimes not even doctors recognize that this person has Parkinson's disease until one of us as therapy who work with them say, hey, they have the cardinal signs of Parkinson's. And then they start to look and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. And, you know, so people people with Parkinson's are highly underdiagnosed. Yeah, that's another issue is the underdiagnosed, the misdiagnosed, or the ones that don't even discuss it or maybe not really aware of it. Right, for sure. So if you were to make one thing easier, if you looking back, if you could have made one thing easier for yourself as you were going through the journey with your mom and her Parkinson's, what what do you want people to know? What do you want people to, what could you have done differently or what, because you know it now, like looking back, if you had done something differently, could have made it easier for you? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I always look, I would, while I was going through it, I didn't want to regret anything. So luckily we tried it. We tried licensed medical marijuana. That was funny because I'm a police officer, so I'm not really <laughs> for it. I am for it for those with, you know, ending life type things. 
but it didn't work because the distilleries don't talk to the doctor. So either we, she only tried the pill that she was either falling over because it was too much or then even worse with delusions and hallucinations. So I, you know, I don't regret anything. I don't think there was really anything left but a cure. Uh, I wish I could tell you advice on how to deal with stress and coping, but it, it, unless it, it's different for everyone, I just wish people would never abandon their loved one. Always care, you know, remember what they did for you. I'm shocked mm-hmm. still that I actually am doing a podcast in the future. They wanted me to talk about being a male caregiver. And that was like a shock to me because I didn't even think that that was so rare. And there's no one that in my research that's even talking, speaking out like me. That's a son of a person. Obviously, mm-hmm. people are out there. But there's like literally nothing. That's why I wanted to write a book because there's not one out there. I'm probably telling my secret here. <laughs> but, no, that's uh, great. I think that's I, great. And, you know, uh, I didn't, to be very honest, I didn't even consider it because I've worked, you, you know, in healthcare for so long in in that regard. But, you know, you are 100% correct. You know, most caregivers of somebody living with Parkinson's or dementia are female. Most, yeah. you know, it's not. Yeah. And, and then of the, the remainder, it's about 66% are women. Um, so that's about a third that are men and probably primarily the caregivers in the male category are the spouses, not the sons. Yeah, that's sad. But uh, I always say, you know, in every end podcast I do on my own, you know, I send my love, my support, you're never alone. And I'm only just getting started. So I, I literally dedicate 24-7 to this. I've kind of stressing more about it, and it's uh, but it, it helps me cope still. It's been four years. The holidays are the roughest. But sure. I, again, I, you know, you keep coming up with ideas hard because it's just me. This is not a foundation. It's not a company. Could have went that route, but I, right now I, don't, I like what we do like this. And, uh, you know, when you start getting accounting and this, that, and then the IRS and all that, it's like it's just trying to help people. I don't want to. So that's why we don't accept money. Uh, leave that drama for the big foundations to deal with. <laughs> Uh, and I do this again just because I care. I don't want any other family or caregiver to have to go through what we did. So where can people find you? So great question. I'm around 24-7 on every social media. But if you go to www.togetherforsharon, it's spelled out, no numbers. So together, F-O-R, Sharon.com, it'll go right to me. It's just me. There's no if my wife helps, but emails go to me. We have a subscription for free. So I send out once a month, like a little newsletter uh, and things growing. It's crazy because I never dreamt it would be. I thought it would just be 10 people. We had like 50,000 people following. I use every you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I never thought I'd be on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I just started some new things. I'm glad you asked. I started a section on researchers and scientists. Mm-hmm. A book called End Parkinson's Disease. And it's a lot more scientific and not me not being an MD. Or in that field, I still like to learn. So I've, any of the interviews I do out of the 400 that were researchers and scientists, I put them especially there because that's really cutting edge uh, information. Yeah, for also, sure. We started our own podcast, but they're like, you know, there are a lot of work, so I only do one a month. But it's my wife and I, and it's called The Conversation on Awareness, like we're doing. We just talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cool thing is the first one was me interviewing my wife. So you got to see, the, you know, the female perspective. Uh, she took care of my mother too. So that's a really interesting podcast. And just the other night, <laughs> excuse me, we started uh, the first podcast, in my opinion, history. It's me and three individuals who are, in my opinion, 
some of the most inspiring people on social media, they all have Parkinson's. And it's the first time that I know of because I did a lot of research again. Uh, and I really do the research. I don't just say that. But where we're taking people with Parkinson's and a caregiver coming together alive. I have never seen that before. I see people with Parkinson's and I see mm-hmm. caregivers, but I've never seen everyone join. And I'm also in a sad world, which is why I'm also planning and it's in production to start a therapy group. I'll be the host of it. And it's going to be few people like me. So again, another interesting fact, there are people with Parkinson's and they have support groups and there's mm-hmm. people we're caregivers with loved ones who are alive with Parkinson's, but there's absolutely nothing for someone like me who's still grieving four years later uh, mm-hmm. at all. And I've, I've actually jo- attended and there's some great groups out there and none of, I, I went to them and I felt so bad because I can't say my experiences because I don't want to depress people, you know, sure. and I don't, if there, and then even uh, they were talking about wills, which I did all that. I know like there's so many steps, you know, you have to have a will prepared the funeral, all this stuff. Some of them are tough topics people don't want to talk about. For sure. You have to talk about the tough topics. We'll yes, never we do. So those are some of the things I'm planning. So you're, you, the, um, you brought up a really um, something I'm very super interested in. The support group or the group the, that you're going to start, is that going to be a geographic group or is that going to be an online group? Online, and I like online like we're doing because you can reach people around the world and if Great. i can you know, i'm gonna look yes. to see it can't remember the name for it, but it's an organization they've been around for a very long time and they were really nice because they uh you know reached out to me uh it's psp it's like a for awareness it's, they deal more with thing not just parkinson's but like parkinsonians which mm-hmm. are the what you mentioned earlier uh individuals who uh, are misdiagnosed or people who have mm-hmm. similar uh, issues of Parkinson's, but don't necessarily have Parkinson's. So again, there's a lot of uh, interesting things coming. I'm trying not to overwhelm myself, but I feel that if I don't keep doing this and keep pushing that again, uh, we'll never have answers or find a cure. And I wish we could find obviously a cure for everything, but I have to really concentrate, you know, on dementia and Parkinson's. Yeah, for sure. Well, George, thank you so much. You have such an interesting story and you are doing so many different things. I am very excited about a lot of what you have told us about, especially your website that people need to go check out, which is www.togetherforsharon, not the number four, but forsharon.com. And anybody who is listening or listens to this podcast in the future, if you have Parkinson's, or if you're helping somebody with Parkinson's, reach out to George because he's trying to collect people's stories and highlight your life so that you can truly be recognized for your your specialness. And he does this in honor of his mom. And I'm super grateful for that. I'm probably going to go on and mm-hmm. write a story about my granddad uh, because he he did he is one of the reasons that I got into the whole dementia dementia caregiving space uh, was through Parkinson's and then into dementia. It's a very natural, unfortunately, a very natural progression. Not everybody who has Parkinson's gets dementia though. So if you have Parkinson's, don't necessarily freak out and think you're going to get dementia, but do know that a large percentage of people actually do 
develop, especially if you live with it for an extended period of time. George, thank you so much for your time today. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I still have homework I need to do for you, and I promise I will get to it. Um, it has been a whirlwind as I have started my podcast, so I promise I will get there. But thank you for our conversation today. I really appreciate your time and all your listeners. Uh, thank you all for you know what you do. Send my love and support. Sorry for your loss. Again, uh, you know my only message really again is that I always have hope. Those people like me are going to fight 24-7, literally. And, uh, you know, you're never alone. You can always reach out to me or our website. And, again, I'm trying to bring life to other stories now. And uh, it's just incredible. Someone once told me or recently, and I put them up. I never thought of them. I thought it would be nice, just one or two. It just kept growing, almost viral. Somebody said they went on the other day and read it. They spent, like, 10 hours reading interviews. And that was just a – I couldn't believe it because I don't even spend – you know, 10 hours to read them, but it's because it's just so many. But again, there's so many more that are not, I don't know about. And I hope to learn more about yours and others who are out there. And I'll just keep, and the nice thing too is there's 365 days a year. My dream is a lot of time you do interviews and, you know, you put it, see you, goodbye. That's not my belief. My belief is we become family. So I'm going to reshare them. So when I'm done, yep. sharing, yep. I'm going to start over again. So you're going to see if you do You'll see yours up three years, maybe 10 years. And my dream is to have my children continue this on. Or I'd rather have a cure and get rid of the whole thing. But, you know, so the goal. But again, I really send my love and grateful for our time today and also for our future sharing awareness together. Oh, for sure. And and definitely we are going to be posting this everywhere. And we'll put George's information in the show notes later. And listen to next week's episode or the next episode. I, I do them twice a week right now. So anyway, thank you for being here and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today, Success Seeker. I pour my heart and soul into this program to serve you. You can serve me by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and join our free Facebook group, Dementia Caregiving for Families. It's a positive and proactive space to navigate dementia caregiving together, get practical tools, and find support, but without the verbal vomit. Be a part of our community where we seek to find peace of mind and ease, despite a dementia diagnosis. So join today and see you next time as our flight takes off.